Well, so glad to be with you and excited to dive into God's Word. We're continuing this series, working through the book of Ephesians. We took a little uh, break from that for uh, just one week for Easter, but diving back into Ephesians 3, you can start turning there now in your Bibles. If you don't have one, you can use one from the chair in front of you. If you don't own one, you're welcome to take that Bible with you. The title of this morning's message is An Uncommon Prayer. Fitting as we talk about the National Day of Prayer, that we're looking at an uncommon prayer we see in this text this morning, an emphasis on Paul's prayer. But I was thinking about it as it relates to us as a church. I was wondering if you're to kind of reflect on your own prayer life, what would you say gets the most attention or what are the most common things that you find yourself praying about? What are the most common things that you find yourself praying about? I was looking at this list this week, one of the lists that was provided uh, by pastor, author Larry Osborne that identifies some real common prayers that Christians pray through, and I thought the list was actually pretty good. I thought this is a quick, nice summary of some things that we often go to, praying for guidance, protection, deliverance, provision, success. Those are typical areas, even just thinking about those even in my last couple of weeks, I'm like, you know what, if I look at that list, and I want you guys to assess this as we just talk through them briefly, which one you would lean towards. I was like, you know what, out of that list, I find often really all of those things being commonplace in my own prayer life. Guidance, anytime you're leading a, a church, that's something that you're praying for consistently. How do I respond to this email? How do, I re- how do I interact with this situation? How do we deal with this? How do you, lots of prayer for guidance. I would definitely say that's a big part of it. The second one there, protection. Maybe that's one that you find yourself praying for, whether it's protection for you personally, protection for your kids, protection from uh, ailments, protection uh, spiritually, physically. I don't know what it would be for you. I know uh, last couple of weeks, going into Easter, it's always a prayer request in our family that dad will not get sick on Easter. Like, that's the, that's the, the one thing that you want to make sure. And in fact, last year, I was sick on Good Friday, but recovered on Easter. If you're around uh, for a while, you might even uh, remember that. This year, we're getting a, a little head start of it. Even my kids were enlisted in this help to pray for dad to stay healthy and, uh, and so my, my kids actually, they, they made me this uh, chocolate cake, which I think is important for staying healthy, gave me a chocolate cake, which is awesome. And, uh, and then uh, along with that cake was this prayer uh, for me here. You can read it with me. Dear Dad, we hope you do a great message and Satan does not make you sick. Lo- love, Chase, Alexa, Sienna, P.S., the author wanted to make sure I knew, Sienna did no work. <laughs> I guess she didn't do any work on the cake, and so uh, the author wanted to make sure I was aware of who was actually putting in the work. But here's the, here, here's the thing, and that might be one of the things you're praying for is just uh, is for protection, or maybe the next one, maybe prayer for deliverance, maybe prayer for deliverance. And I would say that that was the, the shift in our prayer as a family because uh, before Easter, it was the prayer that God would keep me from getting sick. After Easter, it was the prayer that God would allow me to recover from getting sick. So I had the flu all this last week with uh, 102 temperature at home in bed since Wednesday. Really, uh, other than a few uh, brief meetings, this is like one of my only times out of bed. So really, I take no responsibility for anything I say this morning. Uh, but that's been a, a, a prayer 
of uh, health concerns, for deliverance, and a little bit more seriously, there's so many needs within our own church of people that I know we're lifting up. I'm on so many different prayer email chains and things that we're uh, lifting up. Maybe that's one of the things you're committed to right now is just prayer for deliverance, someone that you care about, whether it's health, whether it's whatever type of deliverance. Another common prayer is prayer for provision, prayer for provision, whether that's financial or material. Sometimes that comes in the form of a request. Sometimes that comes in the form of a praise. I thought I'd share with you guys a praise. Is that okay? And uh, one, one of the neat things about a year ago, we had the church elders, uh, really led by Larry uh, Winningham as our elder chairman, had come to me and said, you know, uh, we would really like to see you, one, stick around at ABF. Well, I don't know why, but, uh, uh, but uh, wanted us to, to stick around and said, we'd really love to see you get into a, a home in the area, but I know it's such a, a huge hurdle to overcome. And so uh, that started a chain of, of, of events of them approaching some different elders and former elders and some different uh, key givers in the, in the church and just raising, helping raise uh, money to help on the deposit of a home, along with our efforts as well, uh, for a, a 10-year forgivable loan uh, that they would give us. So uh, you're stuck with us for a little while at least. And, uh, and so this uh, last week, we went into escrow on a, a new home, and uh, excited for that. Here's a, a, a picture of, uh, of that. And so that's been more of a, uh, in Thousand Oaks off of Moore Park Road, if you take North Moore Park off of the 101 to the left, little community in there. So we're uh, really excited about that process. And that's been a prayer of an answered prayer of just provision and God's kindness. And so we're just extremely grateful for that. Those are some of the prayers that have been in my life. My question for you is what prayer? Oh, the last one. I forgot. Sorry. Success. That's a, a, a big one too that's common in people's lives, praying for success that you'll do well in a certain arena or some of you care about going to excel, whether it's a, a job interview, a promotion, or just in general. One of the things we were praying for is that we'd have a successful Easter weekend. And in church world, that's a big time for people to introduce people to a church. And, and obviously, with the hopes of introducing people to the changing uh, gospel message, life-changing gospel message, one of the things that was kind of fun, just the answer to prayer last week, we had over 700 people here between the three services at ABF, which was a real answer to, to prayer. And, uh, and also, God helped uh, remind me or clarify what is defined as success, because I have this picture of a massive altar call and thousands of people getting saved. His picture is to boldly proclaim the gospel, and so he redefined success a little bit in my mind even last week. And so lots of different prayer requests out of this list of those common prayer areas, which one, think about it for a, a second, which one do you find yourself leaning to most often? In fact, I'm going to invite you just to share to maybe the person next to you, which do you think, the person maybe you came with, which out of that list do you, what do you lean towards? Guidance, protection, deliverance, provision, success. Do, just talk for a second. Talk about amongst yourselves. What do you think out of that list? Yeah, we, 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 te we tend to have a particular uh, bent or something that we're drawn to, or some of your... So, okay, we can stop talking now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, once you guys get started, it's hard to slow down. Uh, for permission to talk in church. Um, but thinking through, 
through that, we all probably have some areas we lean towards. I would suggest this morning in our, our text is Paul goes a direction you would never have guessed with his prayer request. Now, being a person writing this, this letter from prison, you'd probably assume what, out of that list, what do you think he'd probably pray for? Maybe protection, maybe deliverance. If you're in prison, I'm guessing that's kind of a, a top priority. But that's not the route he goes. It's a very uncommon prayer that we're about to see. Let me pray just for a moment before we dive in. God, thank you so much just even for this conversation and topic of prayer. And I, I thank you that you love to hear from your children. You love to hear these different requests that were even mentioned on this list. You love uh, any time we're talking to you as a father. But I, I pray that you'd maybe even expand our understanding of prayer this morning as maybe a less common prayer that maybe we could introduce into our routine, a little bit more common in our lives. Thank you how relevant your word is to us. I pray that you'd speak to us through this text, uh, that you'd sustain me through this. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So looking in verse uh, 14, what brings Paul to his knees says this in verse 14 and 15, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. For this reason, it starts with, for this reason, what, for what reason you'd first ask, and we've really talked about a lot of different things so far in these first three chapters, but just a quick summary, some of the, the big ideas that, that we've uh, hit on is the fact that we were once dead and brought back to life. That would be one of the, the reasons that he'd go to his knees just in gratitude. Another reason was that we pointed to in this text so far in Ephesians was the fact that we used to be separate groupings of people that God has brought Jew and Gentile underneath one umbrella, that's worthy of coming before our knees as well. Or maybe the most recent thing mentioned was the fact that we are the dwelling place of God, that He literally sets up camp inside of us. And so because of that, His natural response because of His newfound position is of being brought from death to life, being in the family, having the, the God dwell inside of Him, that's why He's now before the knees. And look at what He refers to. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. This picture of bowing your knees is this picture of complete and utter submission. You're like, all right, I, uh, it's not something you really do common in a, a typical week or day in a, the life. Anybody have that happen in your last seven days? Somebody come up and be like, hey, great to see you. You know what I mean? And bow a knee. You're like, uh, not really. You try it. And if you want to really freak somebody out this next week, but, but I was thinking, I was like, what's a, what's a picture of that? And I, I had this jotted down, this example, and then I crossed it off, and then I re-jotted it down and crossed it off. So you're going to get it anyway right now. The picture that came to mind for, for submitting or someone kind of coming and bowing before you, every day when I get home, our little fluff dog, uh, Bailey dog, uh, is her first thing she does, I go to try to pet her, like, hey, good to see you, Bailey. You know what she does? Maybe you have a dog that does this too. First thing she does is just rolls over and lays on her back, just like it's just complete and utter submission to their father's love. She's like, whatever you got, I'll take it. I give up. Uh, anybody have that dog at home? And, uh, and, and uh, I was like hesitant to bring that up because I don't want to compare us to like dogs before God, uh, but, but this picture of complete and utter surrender is what comes to mind. 
God, I, I, I can't do anything about this. That, that, that dog is just like, hey, you're really big, I'm really small, I, I give up. And, and, I, and I think the same picture is true for Paul before God. The reason we're about to see is because he's about to bring a request before God that he knows, Paul knows, he can't do anything about himself. It's completely outside of his control. So what brings Paul to his knees is, one, a realization of, of standing before Almighty God, a, lo- a loving Father, but also a realization that the request that he's about to bring for the church at Ephesus is something that he can't help them with. He can't do anything about. Maybe that's where you're at this morning with a request that you're wanting to bring before God, that if you're honest with yourself, there's nothing you can do to control it. There's abs- it's completely outside of your control. Maybe it's a prodigal child. That, man, you, you wish so desperately you could make them want to come back to the Lord, but you can't. You can't influence that. Maybe it's a, a, a spouse that's their heart or love has grown cold. Maybe you, you wish so desperately somebody you care about that, 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 that you, their heart would change, but you're like, I can't do that. Maybe it's a health issue or health concern of somebody that you love and care about that you're like, oh, I wish I could fix them. If I could, if I could take their pain myself, I would, but you know that's what brings you to your knees. That's what should bring us to our knees. When there's things that are clearly outside of our control, it really is a crisis of belief where you're like, hey, I can either get bitter about this or I can go before God and say, man, I submit. I need your help with this. That's what Paul is brought to his knees with. But look what the request that he makes. He says this, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful request that he has for this church. It's really the second prayer so far in the book of Ephesians. The first prayer in the book was for enlightenment. This is now praying for empowerment, that they be strengthened in their inner man, in their inner being, if you will, that that would really take root. He's praying that, that, that this group of people that maybe were running on empty would be strengthened. Anybody like that this morning that you're like, oh man, I could just use a prayer for strength. I'm just running on empty. I'm just on fumes right now. And he's not talking about physically. He's talking about spiritually on empty. This is, this is where he's like, man, I could, this isn't something that a nap will solve. This is something that only an outside power source can solve. And look at that request that there would be strengthening by the Holy Spirit. There needs to be a new power source put in place. found it interesting. I read this, this article about uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if there's any Seinfeld fans in the, in the room, but, um, but I was reading about uh, him having an upcoming road trip, and he had to take a, a bigger, bigger vehicle on this road trip, so he was going to take his 1964 uh, Volkswagen uh, bus on this on this road trip. You know the old school ones, like the you have pictures of of those. Well, he didn't want to be stuck in this bus for this long trip with its lawnmower engine because I guess they come with like the smaller engines. So instead of going with that power source, 
he had dropped into this 1964 Volkswagen van a Porsche 911 turbo engine instead. And I was like, now, now that's something I can appreciate. This, this idea, this idea that there's a certain need for what's ahead of us for new levels of power. If we're going to live out God's calling on our life, if we're going to live out this Christian life effectively, if we're going to be a dwelling place for Almighty God, it can't be done in the old way by digging up, uh, pulling myself up by my bootstraps, by trying a little bit harder, by being an overachiever. You're like, man, that, that's not going to work. They're going to need, this is Paul praying, they're going to be need, need to be strengthened all the way to their core. Grant you to be strengthened with power through, this, uh, through his spirit in your inner being. That's not just a casual empowerment. That's all the way to the core of who we are. If you remember, upon salvation, the old flesh still continues on, but the new self, the inner being, is the part that's restored and made new and intended to be strengthened. If we're going to allow for God to habitate inside of us, there's going to be some newly reinforced walls, if you will. Like the picture there that it says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. The word dwell there, the idea is the idea that he would feel at home, that he would have access to things completely. I don't know if you guys have ever used the, the term with somebody, go ahead, make yourself at home and wished you hadn't said that to anybody. I don't know if you've, you've said that before. My, my wife and I lived at Judson University back in Chicago and when new students would start uh, uh, coming to the college, my wife was the resident director, and we lived in the dorm with students. And so we had an apartment at the entrance of the dorm, and uh, we would often tell new students, oh, feel free to just come and make yourself at home, whatever, you know, what, what's ours is yours. You know, after doing that for a number of years, we, we gradually said that, I noticed, less and less, because college students had no clue. They literally would take you at your, oh, make myself at home. So we would come out sometimes. We'd, we'd lock our, our uh, bedroom when we'd go to, to bed, but we'd come out into our living room and kitchen and find like half-eaten bags of potato chips, boxes from frozen pizzas from our, our, our fridge, our, our fridge half empty and, and a TV still on. And you're like, oh, I guess people are making themselves at home. On the flip side of this picture is the invite that he's saying, I want to make it so that my home is a dwelling place for Christ, where he feels free access and reign. And when that's happening, when he's dwelling in your hearts through faith, that then you're rooted and grounded in love. That's the outcome. That's the outcome of when he's got full rain in your house, when he's coming in and setting up camp, man, that, then all of a sudden the love meter goes up drastically in your life. Your love meter starts to grow. And it's so fascinating to me that this is the prayer request that Paul is having for the church at Ephesus. It's almost he knew in advance what would be their demise. Do you remember when we did the study this past fall? We did a, a study of all the letters to the churches. Anybody remember that study? Letters to the Bride, that was one we did in the past fall. One of the letters was to the church in Ephesus. Anybody remember what the accusation against them was? What had they forgotten? What had they wandered from? Their first love. That's right. 
He knew that love was going to be an issue, that that was going to be a, a tug against them, that there was going to be a pull to wander. So that's why he's praying for their inner strength, that that would take root. I love the term or expression that he uses that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love, that's a, 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 a term we'd be familiar with, roots being such a, a key thing in order for a plant to stay alive. I've loved, we've mentioned this before in church, loved watching all the hills get really green after all the rain. Anybody enjoying that and your hikes and things like that? Anybody also notice in the last week or two, start to get brown again. We were like, oh, you're kind of like sad. You see on the forecast, uh, the rain's coming maybe a day, and you're like, oh, that's going to refresh it. But you, you start to look, and you start to notice that the things that had popped up and taken root and gotten green are all of a sudden brown. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Because they had shallow roots. They didn't get a chance to last very long. They, they just popped up with, with roots on the surface. And, and all of a sudden, once the, the drought starts to, any degree of drought starts to come, they're vulnerable. They're in trouble. That's the same thing that he's praying for this church. He's saying, man, if you're not rooted and grounded in Christ's love, man, you are so vulnerable. And really, without love, man, what is the, the point of any of this? I love this, this song that's out right now. Maybe you guys have, are familiar with it. It's called The Proof of Your Love uh, for, by For King and Country. Have you guys heard that one before? They do this piece in this song. It's taken directly from 1 Corinthians 13. They do this piece that's such a great reminder, and it uses the term bankrupt without love. Take a quick listen to this. I love this section. Speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith to say to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give all I own to the poor or even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gone nowhere. So, no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, Bankrupt without love. Put a pretty powerful description there. Bankrupt without love. And that's really is the Christian experience. Absent of Christ's love in us. And that's why he prays for this strength. Take a look at verse 18. It's strength to comprehend Christ's love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a beautiful request that he's making. Usually when you associate prayer for strength for somebody, you usually think of strength for different reasons, like you know that they'll overcome an obstacle, that they'll have victory or be able to persevere in a trial, that they'll be bold for Christ, that they'll overcome temptation. All of those things are typically associated with strength. You're like, man, I really want strength for that. Even, even think through some of the prayers that we pray for people we love. I think of prayers that we pray for, for our kids often. We pray that, you know what, God will give them strength to resist some of the temptations uh, that this world throws at them, that they'll be over, able to overcome one particular struggle area, all these different prayer requests. And I wonder if we're missing the mark 
Because look at what he's praying for. And this is when I say an uncommon prayer, this is it. He's praying for strength to comprehend God's Christ's love for them. Strength to comprehend. Strength in their, their inner being that they'd be fortified so that it literally sinks in how crazy Christ is for us. How extreme and extravagant his love is for us. What if we repositioned our strategy of prayer for people Instead of praying for strength to overcome or to persevere or to uh, have victory, not that those are bad things, what if we prayed the same thing, that they would comprehend the expanse of God's love for them? Why, why do you think that's important? Why do you think that's a big deal? Why would that even uh, relate to anything or their success or whatever? But think about it for a minute. If you're asking God to powerfully display his love to us, then all of a sudden that love takes supernatural root in somebody and all of a sudden the cup that they're trying to fill with everything else around them that the world appeals to, when that's filled with his love, all of a sudden that takes care of all of the rest. Being a young adults pastor for so many years, it was a real burden to my heart See, how many young adults or people kind of in their 18 to 20 age range that start to just, they head off to college, they leave the, the, the house, and they wander off and really want nothing to do with God anymore. Because I wonder if maybe our prayer for so long for them was that they would be able to resist temptation and fight instead of praying for them to have a supernatural filling and understanding comprehension of God's love for them. What a beautiful prayer that you can pray for someone, someone that you care about, that God's love, Christ's love for them would take root, that they'd be able to comprehend it. I love the picture that he portrays of, of that love. He, descri he describes that, that love. He uses four dimensions to describe his love, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. In other words, covering every axis. And, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but if you think about it, the height the depth, the width of his love, what picture comes to mind? What, pic what picture comes to mind? To me, it's a cross comes to, to picture in my mind that that's the, the visual representation of the extreme love that he displayed to us, that he wanted us to really have that sink in. Because when that sinks in, all of a sudden you're just like, you know what? I get away from that water source and I want to get back as quickly as possible. I'm, I'm less concerned about resisting all of this temptation and more concerned about what am I going to do with this overflow of love that's been poured out on me. You see, it changes everything in our perspective. And what a beautiful prayer for that church and what a beautiful prayer for this church that we would be overwhelmed with Christ's love. How would you say coming in this morning on Sunday morning post-Easter, how's your love meter? How's your awareness meter of Christ's love? How, how's that doing? How's that going this morning? His prayer was that it would never grow old, that it would be something that surpasses knowledge. Found that, I find that expression interesting. Not something that you can just download or info to the share. It's something that you need the Holy Spirit to comprehend in order for that to take root. I'll leave with this last section we're filled with an awareness, or I'm sorry, filled with all the fullness of God, 
Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Fascinating that after he spends this time praying, he ends with a doxology of praise. Ends with a doxology of praise. But I would suggest in that doxology of praise, there's a couple more awesome reminders for us as well. The picture that he's, that's stuck in my mind, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, far more. We have this picture in our mind of how much we think he's able to do, and he's like, and he's, he's able to do exceedingly more. Whatever you can come up with in your mind, he's able to do a lot more than that. Sometimes we limit God. We have this picture. We're, we're asking for 10 cents, and he's just like, I got a $1,000 bill here. Are you kidding me? Like this story that Pastor J. Wilbur Chapman tells, testimony of some, he's a was leading some different tent meetings. It's an older story. He says, I got off of one of the men in the meeting. He says, I got off at the Pennsylvania Depot as a bum. And for a year, I begged on the streets for a living. One day, I touched a man on the shoulder and said, Hey, mister, can you give me a dime? As soon as I saw his face, I was shocked to see that it was my own father. He said, Father, Father, do you know me? Throwing his arms around me and with tears in his eyes, he says, Oh, my son, at last I found you. I've found you. You want a dime? Everything I have of, uh, everything I have is yours. Think of it. I was a tramp. I stood begging my own father for 10 cents when for 18 years he had been looking for me to give me all that he had. Just thinking about that picture as it relates to us just with these requests. When we're asking for strength and power to experience God's love, and he's just like, man, I've got it all there. You, you're asking for a dime? I've got unlimited resources. His prayer is one that I think we could emulate. And the hope in all of this, and I love this cyclical idea of God blesses us. He pours out his blessings on us, and then he gets all the glory for it. He's like, all right, I'm going to pour out a blessing. You give glory back to me. That's the picture of the church, that he's supposed to work glory thieves, and he wants it all back. Glory from the church through, I'm sorry, glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. People give Scientology a, a hard time for this idea of their billion-year contract. And I'm like, that's nothing on what we got. Because it says here, it says, throughout all generations, forever and ever. He's to get the glory for all of this. It's not going to be a short stint. It's forever and ever, this prayer request, that we would experience God's love in our inner being. That's my prayer for us as a church. Let me pray as we wrap up. God, I thank you for this text and this uncommon prayer. Just as I think through things that I often pray for somebody, even for my own children, I think through prayers of protection, provision, deliverance, all of those things which are all good. I pray that I'd be moved more to pray for the people I care about, that they'd experience a profound new understanding of your love for them. 
I pray for the folks in this room that that would really settle in. It would sink in deep to their core. An understanding that's not just intellectual, but experiential as well. Thank you, God, for your patience with us in getting this. Just pray that we'd bask in your love even now. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, my prayer is that you drink from that well fully this week. Because I'll tell you what, when you're drinking from it and you start to wander away and, and, and slip away, you're like, oh, man, i got to get back to that well. Don't want to miss out. I pray you enjoy and bask in the understanding that we have a God who loves you desperately. In Jesus' name, I dismiss you. God bless you.